I want to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of John, chapter 11. John chapter 11 is where we are this morning. To all of our first-time guests, thank you so much again for being, spending your Sunday with us. And as uh, Sister Linda mentioned, we have a very brief reception we want to invite you to be a part of, just to give us a chance to get to know you and connect with you and pray with you and to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. So I really hope you will take advantage of that before you leave this morning. But over the last several weeks, we've been in a series titled Breaking Point. We're actually in week number three. And what we've been doing over these last several weeks is exploring the stories of four characters from the scriptures. We've already covered two of them last week. The last two weeks, we're covering the third today. But every one of these individuals have something in common. They all experienced seasons of struggle where they faced times of despair, failure, doubt, weariness. And what, 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 what is common amongst all of them isn't simply that they had these experiences, but more importantly, that God saw them through those experiences, that they overcame those experiences, those challenges. Why? Because rather than choose to uh, rely on themselves or on their own wisdom or their ability to resolve those issues, they looked to God and they cried out to Him and they sought His help and God stepped in and God came through for them. And so the, the, the spiritual principle that we've learned over these last several weeks is this, that God gives us the strength to overcome. Everybody say overcome. God gives us the strength to overcome those seasons in our lives where we are struggling, where we find ourselves at a breaking point moment, where we are unable to cope, as it were, with the things that are happening in our lives. And when we turn to Him, He gives us what we need to overcome them. He gives us what we need to navigate through those difficult seasons. I am so grateful this morning for the grace of God. I am grateful that the grace of God is a work in my life. It is a work in your life. You know what? It would be, from our perspective, easier if we never had issues, they never had challenges, never had struggles to deal with, right? If life was perfect, if everything happened the way we wanted it to, the way it was supposed to happen, at least in our minds. But God has said it that, that rather than life simply be free of struggle or difficulty or challenge, that more importantly, that He has offered Himself to us and He says, you cast your cares and burdens on me because I care for you. You bring your struggles to me because I want to help you. I can help you. And I truly believe that everyone that calls in the name of the Lord, as the word of God teaches, will be rescued. God will step in. God will save. God will redeem. And He will restore. This is the principle that we've learned over these last several weeks. And what is, what, what the, the other thing I want to add to that is this. That there is nothing that you and I will ever go through, no circumstance or situation we find ourselves in, that is too hard for God to handle. You will never ever go to the Father and say, Father, I'm struggling in this area. And God says, you know what? That's above my pay grade. <laughs> I can't handle that one. You're on your own. At no point will our Father ever respond to us in that way. He wants us to come to Him with our cares and our burdens because He is more than able to meet us in our place and point of need. But here's the thing, friends. We must choose to turn to Him. We must choose to turn to Him. We must choose to call on Him. We must choose to cry out to Him. We must, we must learn the, the value of, of, of coming to God and saying, God, I'm struggling. God, help me. And be confident that our Father will meet us in our place and point of need. In week number one, we looked at the story of the apostle named Peter, whose fall from grace and his later restoration taught us that past failures do not render us irredeemable. Again, because the grace of God is greater than our shortcomings. We are flawed people. We are broken. Our humanity, our na human nature is broken. We are not perfect. We are incapable of perfection. 
But I'm grateful this morning that in spite of my shortcomings, in spite of my flaws, in spite of my imperfections, that my Heavenly Father embraces me and He invites me into relationship with Him. And He says, don't rely on yourself, but rely fully and totally on me. In week number two, last week, we looked at the story of a prophet named Habakkuk from the Old Testament. Habakkuk struggled, the Bible shows us, to reconcile his beliefs about God's character with his understanding of what God was doing at a particular point in his country, Judah's history. But by bringing his concerns to God, Habakkuk discovered the value of being honest with God about his struggles. So that in being honest and open and transparent with God, that you and I can find from him the peace and the rest that we need because we trust him even when things don't make sense to us. And can I tell you this? There are going to be a lot of things in life that you will experience that will not make sense to you. You will do everything right, and yet things can go wrong. And, and sometimes we think, you know, and we're going to look at this in today's message, that, that everything that happens is always a consequence of something that we did or said, or, or a decision we made. And it's not always the case. There are just times when things happen, and it is certainly not our fault. There are things, things, things happen and we ha- it, it had nothing to do with something we said or we did. Look at Job's story. Classic example of a man who was just doing his own thing, living for God and just, you know, minding his own business in a sense. And, and what he did not know there was that, was that there, was, there, was a, there was a conversation between God and Satan over him. And that all of the things that would be unleashed on his life were because Satan wanted to prove to God that if God was to take everything from Job, that Job would turn his back on God. So there are things that sometimes happen to us and we don't know the genesis of it. We don't know why it's happening. We don't know where it comes from or why we're having to go through that. But what God wants us to realize is this, that no matter what we are facing or dealing with, we must learn to trust Him and allow Him to give us the peace and the strength that we need to not only navigate through those seasons of, 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 of struggle in our lives, but to bring us through them. What I want to do this morning is talk to you about how we navigate seasons of hurt and pain so that we are neither overwhelmed by them or overcome by them. I'm sure you'll agree with me this morning that pain is an inevitable part of life. From the moment we were born, and maybe not everybody experienced this, you experienced pain when you were taken out of your mother and that doctor slapped your behind. I don't know if they still do that. Uh, those who are nurses, maybe you can tell me if they still do that or not, but I'm probably sure that happened to me. Uh, and, and I can tell you this, if I could talk, I would have said to him, do not do that again. Do not do that again. That was painful. But, but the thing is, at, 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 at every point in life, right, we experience seasons or times where we, we experience pain. Um, and sometimes pain comes to people either by trauma, by loss, or by a consequence of, of a decision or choice. But regardless of how pain comes, how we experience hurts, what we discover is that pain touches us physically, emotionally, and psychologically, and it often leaves us feeling misunderstood. Many times pain leaves us feeling lonely, feels us leaving powerless or helpless, fearful, depressed, so that even our very well-being and quality of life is negatively impacted. But then in addition to its psychological or physiological, excuse me, or emotional effect, pain also has a tendency to provoke a number of natural responses. Let me give you a few that I've experienced personally. That when you find yourself experiencing hurt or pain, what you tend to do is you try to blame somebody else for your pain. Or you lash out at those around you. People that may not be responsible for what's going on to you around or, or, or in your life. But because they're around you, they, have, they end up being collateral damage. Because you just need to vent. You need to just get it out. You need to blame someone. You need to project on somebody else. Right? Am I the only one that does that? I guess I'm the only one. Well, Alright. Another natural response is that people play a mentally stressful game of what if. 
what if this had not happened? Or what if I didn't do this? Or what if I didn't? What if, what if I didn't, hadn't gone here? What if I hadn't said this? What if I didn't have this person in my life? We play this mental game of what ifs in which we are continually rehearsing hypothetical scenarios and possible outcomes. In addition, when we experience pain or hurt, we deflect attention to something else in order to provide some kind of escape or relief from the thoughts and feelings that plague us. And then finally, we, in trying to deal with our hurts or pain, we seek to retaliate against the person who's caused our pain. If we feel like a person is the reason why we feel the way we feel or we're going through what we're going through, we want them to feel our pain. We want them to understand what, what they've done to us. The point I'm trying to make here is this, is that in most cases, whenever people experience pain or we experience hurt, our effort to resolve that hurt or that source of pain tends to be unhelpful, unproductive, and unsuccessful. I'll tell you this, that every single time I've tried to deal with my hurt or pain my, my own way, I've always made it worse, never feel better. In fact, I feel worse having tried to do it the way I think I should do it. But that's the bad news. There's nothing you and I can do to truly resolve, to truly move past, get over those hurts that we experience. But the good news is that, and, and this is what we've been learning over the last several weeks, that God cares for you and I. And because God cares for you and I, God is inviting you and I to bring our hurts and to bring our pains to Him so that He can help us find the confidence strength that invades us because we're trying to do this by ourselves. Are you trying to be this morning? God is saying to you and I that there are going to be things that will cause us to feel hurt and to feel pain. And when they do, that rather than try to resolve it ourselves, which we all know is typically unproductive, God says you bring that hurt and bring that pain and bring that struggle to Him and He will help us through it. This was the truth that two sisters named Mary and Martha discovered when they brought their hurt to Christ following the untimely death of their brother Lazarus. We all know the story. John 11 tells us what happened. Scripture tells us Lazarus, their brother, not sure if it was an older brother or younger brother, but this was their brother, beloved brother, became sick. And when Lazarus got ill, Jesus, the Bible says, was sent a message that his friend Lazarus was sick. And there was this expectation that in getting the news that his friend was sick, that Jesus would come to see his friend and that he would heal his friend. But rather than quickly leave to be by his friend's side, the Bible says Jesus did something very curious. He chose to stay two extra days after he heard that his friend was sick. And by the time he got up to now leave with his disciples to be by Lazarus' side, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. When Jesus and his disciples got to Bethany, they learned, they were told that Lazarus was dead. Well, in fact, Jesus already knew Lazarus was dead. He told the disciples that much that Lazarus was already asleep and that what happened was going to be for God's glory. But the disciples didn't understand what he meant. As far as they were concerned, you know, if we go to this place, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna put us to death because we didn't come through for, for Lazarus. And, and in their minds, we're just going to go and die with Jesus. That's really what the disciples suggested, that we're just going to go and die with Christ. But Jesus saw something greater than what the disciples saw in that instance. But when, when the disciples and Christ got to Bethany, Scripture tells us that Martha was the first to meet the Lord and that she immediately greeted him with these words. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. She merely greeted the Savior with these words, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. And even though Christ tried to offer words of comfort to, to Martha, clearly it was going in one ear out the other. Her, she was so overwhelmed with her grief, her sorrow, her sadness, 
that she didn't catch on to what Christ was truly trying to say to her. I want us to begin, pick up that story from verse 32 of John chapter 11. So when Mary, the other sister, came to the place where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So it wasn't just Martha that felt this way. Mary felt the same way as well. Now, I'm not sure if both of them talked to each other. I'm not sure what kind of conversations they must have had before Jesus showed up. Maybe they are, again, playing the what if game. What if Jesus had shown up when he was supposed to have shown up? Why did he not show up? Did he not want to come? Was he preoccupied? I mean, I'm sure they were playing in their minds all kinds of scenarios to try to make sense of what had happened because this is not what they expected. Their expectation was that we send a message to Jesus that, they're, that, they're, that his friend is sick and that he will come. Or at the very least, even if he doesn't come, that he can speak, right? And that Christ could, that, 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 that the Lazarus would be healed. So his death was the last thing they expected. And so naturally when the Savior shows up, they're saying to him, both of them, if you had, not, if you had been here, our brother would still be alive. Therefore, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and he was troubled and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And in verse 35, it's referred to as the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. And so the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. Verse 37, but some of them also said, could this man who opened the eyes of the blind, of the man who was blind, not have also kept this man from dying. So again, it wasn't just Martha, it wasn't just Mary, but even the crowds that gathered, that knew Jesus, Jesus' reputation had spread far and wide. He'd been known to raise the dead, he'd been known to heal the blind, he'd been known to perform all kinds of miracles in, in, in the course of him preaching about the, this concept of the kingdom of God being at hand and people repenting and turning to the Lord. And so there was an expectation again that, that, that Jesus, if he was aware of this need, would address this need and in the same way that sometimes when we go through crisis in our own lives and we pray, right, we're crying out to God, we expect that God is going to do something about what we're going through, right? Our expectation that God is going to answer, our expectation that God is going to meet us in our place and point of need in the sense that He will do what we think should be done in that situation. But can I tell you this? My experience has always been that God doesn't always answer the way I expect Him to. And there are many times where His response will be the last thing I expected. And, and in those seasons, I have to learn. I have to learn that God knows best. I have to learn that God understands what He's doing. And in this case, I believe that what Christ wanted the disciples to understand, and even Mary and Martha was to, to, to understand, is that God had a purpose even in this story. And so for us, everything we go through, every experience we go through, um, Pastor Steve uses this phrase, um, unholy gifts. Um, and it, it, is, it, is, it is the things that are done to us or said to us actions that others take in our in regard to us that that from our perspective feels like a curse you know we we wish we never had to go through those experiences or had to have those kind of encounters and yet i truly believe friends that even even god that god can even use those dark dark parts of ours of our stories to build in us the, the people that he wants us to become not that god is pleased with those those experiences but that in spite of those things that we experience, that God can, can, can turn our lives around and can make something out of our lives, no matter how difficult our, life, our lives may have been. There's three things I want to challenge with this morning. As we consider what happened, what we are to do when we find ourselves experiencing a season of pain or struggle. And you may be going through that right now. Somebody here may be going through that right now. 
where you just you're just going from one crisis to another and you and you're ready to give up that's why we call this breaking point you're ready to just throw in the towel because you feel like god what is the point of trusting you what is the point of waiting on you to, to meet me in my, my place and point of need? What is the point of, of allowing you to, to, to work out your plan in my life when, when it feels like nothing good is coming out of this situation? This is what I want to challenge you with. To seek God's presence for the comfort and strength that only He can give you. You know, this past, this past couple of days, we, were, we had a celebration of life for two precious people. The mother of one of our worshippers, Sister Delacqua, her mom went to be with the Lord. And we, we, did a, we had a service of songs to celebrate her life on Friday night. And then yesterday we um, had a, service, uh, um, a funeral service to celebrate the life of Sister Velma Cohen's grandson, Ramon. And, and in both instances, you could, you could, you could sense the, 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 the pain, the grief, the sorrow that these, that these families felt at the loss of their loved ones. And one of the things that I felt the Lord impress in my heart to, to share with them, and not just them, but all the, everyone who was, was present in those services, is this reality that, that when we see God's presence, we find comfort and strength to deal with those hearts we experience. And, and, and I'm not here to suggest to you that, that when God steps in, that immediately everything just changed overnight. But we have the assurance that when we call on Him, that God is near us, that God is with us, that as the Word promises, that God is near to the brokenhearted, that He understands our grief, our struggle, our pain. And so in this way, I want to challenge you that when you find yourself, whether it is now, presently, or in the future, if you have experienced some sort of pain or hurt or, 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 or sadness or sorrow, that you choose the presence of God, that you seek His presence, and in His presence you find comfort and strength. And these are the, the, the three things I want to challenge you to do very quickly this morning. Number one, and this is very, very important because we see this again play out in the scenario that we just read. The tendency for us, human nature, to, to project our hurts onto others. And we do that with God. I've done that with God many times where in, in the midst of my struggle, my pain, my sorrow, my sadness, I begin to question God's character. God, do you love me? God, do you care? God, are you, even, are you even paying attention? God, what are you trying to do? What good can come out of this? You know, we, 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 we throw all of these, these, these uh, indirect accusations against the character of God. Why? Because, because we're trying to find relief from the pain we feel inside. But we must realize that it is unproductive for us to do that. We must learn to refrain from giving into the, temp the temptation to question God's character. There's a scripture I want to share with you this morning that I think is important. Psalm 18 verse 30. This is what the psalmist says. He describes God's ways and in using the word the ways of God, he's, he's not speaking simply to God's actions, but he's speaking to God's very character. Because everything God does flows out of who he is. God doesn't do something that's righteous, but then it flows out of an unrighteous character. No, everything God does flows out of who he is. So the psalmist says God's ways are without fault. In fact, you could take that phrase and run with that phrase because what that phrase simply says to you is this, friends, God's ways are perfect. Everything about God is good. When we see fault, to us, fault indicates there's something wrong, there's something bad, there's something out of place, there's something that is as it should not be. But the scripture says that God's ways, ergo, his character is without fault. His words are pure and he's a shield. Everybody say shield. The Word of God says that God is a shield to those who trust Him. So when we find ourselves in a time of crisis or, or, or struggling in our lives and we're feeling deep hurt or deep pain or deep sorrow for what's happening to us or around us, 
That rather than question the character of God, the goodness of God, the, 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 the righteousness of God, that, that we refrain from giving into that temptation and we hold on to this promise, God, your word says that your ways are without fault. And that those who trust you, you are a shield to them. And so God, even though what's happening to me and the way that I feel right now is not a good place and it's not a good feeling, God, I choose. I choose to focus on your goodness. I choose to focus on your righteousness. I choose to focus on your holiness. Again, what Mary and Martha did is no different from what many of us would have done. Because like I said, when we experience hurt, we want to project. We, we want to find the root cause and to deal with it. God says... Rather than trying to project on me and to suggest that my character is flawed because of the struggles you're experiencing, choose to focus on my goodness instead. Here's the second step we must take. We must not only refrain from giving into temptation to question his character, we must trust God that he will use our pain for his greater purpose and for our good. This is what the psalmist says in Psalm 138 verse 8. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. This is the same God who has said in Jeremiah 29, 11, my favorite scripture in all of the Bible. God says, I know the plans I have for you. And God's plans for Ilaria are not confused with God's plans for me. God's plans for me are not confused with God's plans for Anthony. God's plans for Anthony are not confused with God's plans for Brother Reggie. God has specific plans for every single one of us. And God is God enough to be able to manage all of the plans that he has for us without muddling the plans together. The reality is this, friends. God's word reminds us that everything we experience, he has a purpose for. And he will use it to accomplish his purpose, but it will ultimately be for our good. God will fulfill his purpose for me is what the psalmist says. Your faithful love endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. Again, human nature is to question God's character, question God's motive, question God's goodness, question God's intent. And yet God says, don't, don't question me. Recognize that I am good. Recognize that I am perfect, that I am holy, that I am righteous, and that I will not do anything that will contradict my nature. God will never do anything that will contradict his purpose. He will never do anything or allow anything that will contradict his character. Again, I go back to the story of Job. I mean, we think about all of the things that happened with Job. God said to Satan, do this, do that. You have the permission to do those things, but you cannot touch him. And even then, the scripture says, Job chose to not curse God. When his wife said to him, why are you trusting God with everything that's gone on in your life? Curse him and die. What's the point? In her mind, Job was at a place where he could have thrown in the towel because following God, at least her, her perception was, was not worth it. But Job refused. He was not going to curse God and die. He was not going to turn his back on God. Job, even Job understood that God had a reason for this. Now, of course, we know in later chapters, Job says to God, explain to me why I'm going through this. And there's nothing wrong in that. We learned this last week. God wants us to be open and honest with him about our struggles. To come to him and say, Father, I struggle with this. What is going on? Help me to understand. And we can be confident that our Father will help us. But at no point does our Father ever say to us, we cannot ask. We, we, we cannot be open and honest. He wants us to be open and honest with him about our struggles. But not because we are questioning him or we question his character. We must trust that God will use everything that we experience to accomplish his purpose and that it will ultimately be for our good. And I'll be the first to tell you that, again, there is no timeline to the purpose of God. You know, we think about the lady in the story, the one who had the encounter with Christ, who had the issue of blood for 12 years. 
I mean, imagine everything that she must have tried to do to, to resolve this issue. I mean, 12 years, some people might say is 11 years too long to wait. But she, but she, kept, she kept persisting. And imagine the day that she heard that Jesus was in town, was passing through. And she said to herself, well, what is that going to do? I've been waiting for 12 years. But the scripture says that she, she, she had this conviction that, that she, could, she could seek his presence and she could go to him. And she could, she could, she could even if she didn't talk to him, that could just, she could do something as, as innocuous as just touching the hem of his garment and that he would do something about it. And, and that's exactly what happened. That she touched his garment and immediately what, what, what plagued it for 12 years was quickly resolved. All because she trusted him. That even in her pain, he could, he could use it for his, for his purpose and for her good. We must learn to see our lives as wrapped up in God's purpose and plan. This is one of the reasons why when I go through a crisis, uh, as much as I can, I, 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 I try to go to God and say, God, there must be a reason why you're allowing this in my life. And whatever the reason is, God, help me to, help me to just trust you. You know, even if it doesn't make sense, God, just help me to trust you. And help me to recognize that you have a purpose. And that ultimately, it is for my good. That you're not going to destroy me. That you're not going to allow the enemy to win over my life. That, the, that people are not going to look at me and say, oh, look at him. He put his trust in God. And where is God now? That the world will look at every one of us, in spite of what we're going through. And the world can say, you know what? They put their trust in God and God came through for them. However long it, it takes. But that the world sees that we're committed to trust in God. And here's the last point. The third step to comfort and strength is to embrace the support that God provides us in the form of a biblical community. I am grateful for community. I am grateful that I'm a part of the body of Christ. I am so grateful that when God saved me, He didn't just save me and then just have me just function independent of others. That God brought me into a family. That, that, that I can look at every one of you and, and I have deep love for every one of you. Even though we may not, we may not, we may be from different parts of the world. We have different stories, different backgrounds, different histories. But when I look at you, I look at you and I see you as my family. I see you as my brother and sister in Christ. I see you as people that, that one day I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with. And I, and I, 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 look, I, I appreciate what God has done in our lives, all of our lives. And I appreciate what God wants to do in all of our lives. That, that when, when the world wants to focus on what, 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 what sets us apart, that we can focus on what binds us together, that we are part of the body of Christ. That, and, that, and that because we are part of a body, that when we go through struggle, when we go through pains and hurts, that we don't have to go through it alone. Again, I allude to the families that were, were mourning loved ones this past couple of days. Imagine if they came together and nobody outside of the immediate circle showed up. Imagine if nobody called, nobody came to visit, to, to offer condolences, nobody, nobody came to offer support and, and they just felt like nobody cared. But I am grateful that God brings us, makes us part of a, a, a community that is greater than ourselves. And that it is in that community that we encourage each other, we support each other, we affirm each other. Listen friends, every time I ask you how are you doing, I don't, I don't expect that every time your response is going to be, I'm great. Because I know that there are going to be some times where you are struggling, where things are difficult, where things are challenging. And I want you to be comfortable to say, Pastor John, pray with me. Pastor John, I'm struggling. I may not have the answers. I'm not, I'm not a 
person counseling the center, I, I start telling you, oh, do this, do this, do this. Because sometimes that's not what you want to hear. But be able to say, hey, let's pray. It's going to be okay. We're with you. We stand with you. We care for you. You do not know how God can use that to help build others up and to help them to navigate through those seasons of pain. This is what Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 and verse 10 says. That two, everybody say two. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Pity the one who falls and there is no one around them to support them. Who is struggling, who is going through a hardship, who is going through a difficulty. And there is no one that, that, can, that can come alongside them and, and provide a shoulder to lean on. And, and to encourage them and to pray with them and to support them and to stand by them. Pity the one is what the Bible says who falls without another to lift them up. But because we are in Christ, friend, that is not our portion. We are part of something bigger than our individual selves. We are part of a community of faith that understands that, you know what Jesus said in this world, we will have trouble, but he said we take heart. Why? Because he has overcome this world for us. Paul, in 1 Thessalonians, he was speaking to the church when there were many who were concerned about what would happen to their loved ones who have gone on to be with the Lord and when the Lord returns as promised what would happen to them and Paul explains to them what would happen when the rapture takes place but he ends in verse 18 with these words he says encourage each other with these words so what it means is this that you and I will find ourselves in situations where God will use us in providing comfort to another and the words that flow out of our mouth will be the words that God has spoken to us where because we're going through an affliction and struggle, we forgot what God has said. Why? Because we're so overwhelmed with what's happening to us. Again, when Jesus said what he said to Martha, Martha, Martha didn't get what he was saying. But again, it was because she was so overwhelmed with what she was going through. But in time, she understood what he meant. In hindsight, we look back and we can say, thank you, Jesus, for what he did in this scenario. But look at this story and have a great sense of hope that if he could do this for them, he would surely do it for us. There is nothing you're going through today, brother and sister, that God is not able to handle. He wants you to bring your hurts, your pain, your struggle, your sadness to Him. And there are people that you know that are struggling, that are hurting, that are pained. And, and, and you can be the one that God can use to speak into the lives and to say, listen, there is hope. God is not finished with you. God has not abandoned you. God has not left you. There is hope. Call on Him. He will give you comfort. He will give you strength. And this is the blessing that we have because we are in Christ. That because we call on Him, He rescues, He saves, He delivers. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, realize this morning that you are missing out on so much. There is, there is, there is, there is a depth to the experience of knowing God that you will never find in the world. When you know your Creator, and you are so mindful of your creator. You know your creator loves you. He created you with purpose. He has plans for your life. And that he is with you through thick and thin. You can face any obstacle and challenge with joy. Not joy in the presence of pain. But joy because you know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is by your side. And he will not leave you. And you can face any advers adversary, any, 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 any challenge with confidence. But it happens when you are in and maybe there's someone here today who is not in Christ. What do I mean by that? You don't have a relationship with Him. You know about Him, but you don't know Him personally. You don't know Him personally. 
you not acknowledge that 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 it is that that he is the way the truth and the life that your way your access to the father to relationship with the father comes by acknowledging that what he did on the cross he did on your behalf and on my behalf because there's nothing you and i can do to make ourselves right with god and that when christ died on the cross he died to pay for our sins and it was a once and for all sacrifice we don't have to keep bringing offerings to God, hoping that we can appease God. God looks at us and when he sees the blood of Christ as our covering, when he sees us clothed in the righteousness of Christ, why, friends, because we have, we have put our trust in him. And God meets us in our place and point of need. And you can accept him today. You can embrace him today. Just call on him and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me. And I embrace his sacrifice on my behalf. And I want you to come into my life and change my life and live in me and live through me and help me to live for you. And help me to be an open book that when others see me, they see you. And it begins by you just simply inviting him into your heart and life today. I want to invite every head bowed and every eyes closed this morning. And again, if that's you that recognizes you need to embrace Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you can simply do that right now by just calling out to him. In your own words, you say, Father, forgive me. I'm a sinner. I need you in my life. I don't need you as an accessory to my life. I need you to take over my life. I need, I need my life to be wrapped up in you and who you are. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And that through you I have eternal life. And that because I know you, my, my life can be changed forever. You pray that simple prayer. He'll meet you in your place and point of need. And you can do that right now. God, I thank you, Father, for those who are responding by faith to you, God, putting their trust in Jesus for salvation today. But God, I also want to thank you, Father God, that Lord, even as they choose you, Father God, that Lord, they will experience, Lord, the transformation that you, by your Holy Spirit, will bring about in their lives to help them to know you, to walk with you, and to grow in deeper relationship with you. God, I also want to thank you, my brothers and sisters, everyone here today, on sitting on the side of my voice, who is listening, Lord, this morning, and Lord, maybe going through a hurt, a pain, a struggle right now, Father. And, and God, they're unsure of what to do, how to resolve it, Father. And God, I thank you because we can turn to you today, God, and be confident, Lord, that you would comfort us, Lord. You would give us strength, Lord, so that, God, our minds are not overwhelmed by the, 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 the scenarios of the hurt and the pain that we feel. But that, God, we can find joy and rest and peace and strength because we turn to you, we look to you, we trust you. Rather than question your character, Father God, we, 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 we affirm in our minds, Lord, your goodness and your faithfulness, Lord. And that God, we recognize, Lord, that you've surrounded us with people who, like-minded and like faith, know you, walk with you, and that we can lean on your shoulders and they stand with us and we support one another. Help us, Lord, be a people who truly, Father, embody to a watching world that God, no matter the hardships that we face, because we are in Christ, we never come to a point where we are broken. But that God, we are strengthened and we are enabled, Father. And that God, the grace of God is at work in our lives. Father, thank you this morning for helping us, Lord, to see the value and importance of trusting you and clinging to you and, and following you, God. And to be confident that you will lead us into your perfect will. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said.